Welcome to the Higher Ed Jobs Podcast, Ask the Expert Edition. I'm Andy Hibble, the Chief Operating Officer and one of the co-founders of Higher Ed Jobs. And I'm Kelly Sherwin, the Director of Editorial Strategy. Today, we have Dr. Christopher D. Lee, a Managing Director at Storebrook Search, author of several books, and a former Chief Human Resource Officer with many years of higher ed experience. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. My pleasure. So today's question from a member of the higher ed jobs community is, how can higher ed reckon with the increased need for hybrid and fully telework schedules? Many higher ed leaders are insistent that higher ed still offers the in-person experience, but this is killing our hiring prospects. Chris, what are your thoughts on this question? Well, you know, this is one of the most uh, contemporary questions out there, and I'm not sure if higher ed or industry has reconciled all of the changes in the workplace and in society. But we do know that remote work in the many different varieties will prevail over time. We won't move backwards. The technology, I think, will demand a more flexible and dynamic kind of workplace, which will be a challenge for managers, right? I mean, you know, the whole idea of, quote, work in the industrial age was that people went off away from home to a setting and they worked with others. Now, the need to go to a setting for any kind of knowledge work has been kind of mitigated by technologies that sometimes make it even more efficient not to travel. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen? But we do know things will be different. Pyrid has some built-in advantages and disadvantages here. Some of the built-in disadvantages are certainly that we're slow to evolve. That sure-footedness of moving slower than industry has some advantages because some fads come and go. But some of the downsides is, as noted, we still have to compete for talent. So I think we still have to compete in that space. The other built-in disadvantage that we have is we go off to college in, in, in America, right? In some countries, most people attend colleges and universities that are closer to where they're from. But in America, a lot of people go away to college and the away is a place and it's a physical place. And I think that dynamic kind of challenges the idea of being on a campus and the experiential nature of, quote, going to college. A former master teacher colleague of mine would say, taking classes and going to college are different. Taking classes is just in the classroom. Going to college is that kind of maturation experience and that social experiment and all those dynamics. And, you know, there's a certain amount of people that have to be on campus to create that for students. So, you know, I think that's a built-in disadvantage that higher ed has. And then you got all the other dimensions that will intersect that idea of college as a place and an experience in that we have community colleges and junior colleges and technical colleges and commuter colleges and research universities and liberal arts colleges. They all have different missions and they all pride themselves in delivering a certain kind of mission or service or having a different business model that caters to different kinds of students. So if you just say higher ed in general, being able to reckon, I think that's a harder sell. So Places I've worked, you know, liberal arts colleges or campus places, that student experience is really important. I was sharing with some students uh, yesterday that when I was at Bates College in Maine, as the chief HR officer, I was the landlord you know, for, we had 60 properties and 82 units. And many of the professors lived close to college and they had favorable rents. 
And that was by design because the liberal arts experience and the one-to-one student contact experiential, you know, before and after class was helped by having faculty close by. So you can't phone that in, right? You don't play a premium for that kind of almost a tutoring experience and in-depth understanding and appreciation for arts and literature or whatever. You can't do that the same way via technology. So that mission would dictate less remote work. Having worked also in community colleges, that's a different mission. That experience can be different. I mean, community colleges have been online with 20 to 40% of their coursework for more than a decade. The pandemic did not create that. It was already there. But that was kind of looked down by some institutions. But those were serving a different kind of student who had a different lifestyle. You know, many of them work, right, have many obligations. And that accessibility was indispensable and it remains indispensable. So for that environment, remote work makes more sense. So I think that's part of the balance. What is the requirement? The mission What's the business model, right? Because you got four year colleges that are campus based, some that are half campus based and half commuter and all kinds of varieties. What is the mission and the business model for that institution? And then the second part becomes, what is the function? If you're in student affairs, you're probably going to have to be on campus. If you're in financial aid, you know, maybe it's both because some people are going to be on campus, but if you're dealing with parents, they're not going to be in town. If you're in facilities, you're probably going to be on campus. If you're, you're a faculty member, depends on the mission. So I think all of those factors come into play. But for me, there's a scaffolding. First thing is the mission, the business model, then the position, and then what's possible for the individual doing particular jobs. So I think it's kind of a series of considerations in how that plays out. And it won't be ubiquitous. It won't be higher ed like many of the insurance or financial institutions now where they are starting to say, we don't need real estate because our clients are not in our building or close by. People can do that by technology, consultants and things like that. And, you know, of course, my new you know, responsibilities as an executive recruiter, the clients are everywhere else, right? I work from home. It would make no sense for me to be going into an office to talk to people around the world. So that's where it goes. What is the mission? What is the business model? What is the position? And then the preferences of the individual. So that's what a scaffolding will get you there. The final chapter of this question is applicants need to understand and respect the mission of the enterprise to know what's possible. If you go to a liberal arts college and say, I want to work four days a week from home, eh, that's probably not with the business model and how they work. And then organizations also have to understand that they can't just dictate to the market that, oh, we're going to do no telework, right? We're not going to do any remote work. The market no longer allows that because there's a war for talent, right? You know, using the McKinsey words, it's a war for talent. It will always be. And people who want a more flexible lifestyle will go to places that afford that. And so then managers can't just arbitrarily say, oh, well, you know, I'm in the, uh, say, the uh, accounting and finance world and we do back office stuff. We don't even see students. And most of our customers deal with us by email, but we still want people on site. That's kind of short-sighted because that work can be done flexibly and may need to come to campus one day a week or whatever the case may be or whenever there's a need. And that manager can't just decide not to do that anymore because the marketplace will not allow that. They all have to be flexible if the, you know, again, the finance world is going mostly remote. College and universities will have to negotiate that and create a balance. Can you do that with your faculty? 
at a community college or a community college? Maybe. At a residential place? Probably not. So I think it all depends on those four factors of mission, business model, position, and actual function before you get to the individual. Chris, you and I were, were both at, well, all three of us actually were just at the Coupa HR conference recently. And what you're saying resonates with what I heard in, in several of the breakout sessions. And I feel like some of the leadership team probably should be listening to this podcast today. But a lot of the HR professionals, I feel like were frustrated because there was like a one size fits all approach across campus. And like you said, some managers might be short sighted if they're not allowing some individuals who don't work with students at all to work at home. And the theme I was getting from some campuses were, well, if this person is allowed to stay home, then everyone should, but faculty are here. So then everyone should be like, it should be just the same across. So yep. it sounds like the institutions you're suggesting that they need to look at the big picture and be a little bit more flexible and not just assume everyone has to be on campus. Cause like you said, the marketplace just isn't going to allow that. Yeah. The Society for HR Management sent out a flyer about a year ago, and the headline of it was, the future arrived early, right? And I thought that was pretty uh, prescient in that the pandemic forced a lot of change that was coming anyway. Millennials have been saying this for 10 years or more. Why do I need to come in the office to work on my computer? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, uh, I don't interact with other people. And they pressured baby boomers. I'm the last year of the baby boom, you know, and so many of the leaders I've worked with are older and they just wanted to see butts and seats. That's what they would say, you know, and they want to be able to walk down the hall and see a whole bunch of people. Now, the truth is the pressures from millennials who are voting with their feet was already happening. And millennials are now the majority population in the workplace compared to baby boomers. So that was going to happen slowly and incrementally over time. And then this move just accelerated it. The best example of that is of teaching online. Many people were very snooty about teaching online. It's like, never going to do it. I've been in many fora where you had the seasoned faculty member who was saying, you know, that's a lower form of education that will never work. I would never teach online. And then all across the country, right, it was like, either teach online or don't teach. <laughs> Right. It's like, you know, when the pandemic came, it's like, this is how you get your paycheck. And all of a sudden they switched overnight. It's like everybody figured that out. But it was decades and all kinds of training programs and policies and encouragement. And people wouldn't even go to the trainings. And then it's like your livelihood depended on it. I've heard no pushback. Now, some disciplines, it was harder, but there's some innovation. A dance professor was saying it was superior in some ways because they could work with an individual differently one-on-one because -on -one. that person's in front of the camera they can rewind and look at stuff and whatever languages they say was really really good because you could look at people's faces close up not across the room to look at their mouth and how they're forming their syllables and, and words and things like that with foreign languages who would have thought that right you know that was not a part of the thinking of the possibilities of the technology beforehand because people had a philosophical view about it so I think because that has switched, I think we have the opportunities to do things differently and the marketplace will demand it. And millennials were already demanding it, but they're going to be the majority. And we just had the best test case ever because we all did it for a while. And so I don't think we can ever go back. I think that's an, an excellent point, Chris. I also think kind of thinking about two thirds of the folks who come to our site on a monthly basis are in an active job search. And I think in the 
26 years of doing higher ed jobs, I think we're at the one of the, if not the most unique positions. I don't think we have acknowledged as academia in an honest way that we're trying to portray like we're on settled ground right now, but we're really not. So if you're in an active job search right now and you're looking at job ads, wherever they may be, on higher ed jobs and other places, I would caution you to read the job posting. And if they're not talking about your desired type of work, whether it be hybrid, whether it be all remote, whether it be all in person, don't presume. Sometimes the ad and the institution's policies may not reflect the actual actions of the department or college. The institution may require everything in person, but you have departments and colleges who are not necessarily doing that right now. And be prepared for mixed messages. Be prepared for what you see. It might not be what you get. And be prepared for, even though it may be portrayed as settled ground, it may not be settled ground within these institutions. The SHRM headline is spot on, but now that the seismic shift has happened, everybody is trying to figure out where the new normal is on this subject and what can be tolerated, what can't be tolerated. And I'll be frank, I'm pretty amazed how academia is being honest about this. There's a whole discussion of what is equitable. When you look at some of the physically-based positions at a college or university that you could find in other industries, they need to be in person. And during the pandemic, they were required to be in person. And is that fair in an equity sort of sense that we have all these positions that require people to be there? How are we going to deal with that? And I do think particularly large research universities are really trying to, as honestly as they can, address that question. So as far as where we are right now, yeah, it's a strange place. And be prepared for yeah. what you see. It might not be what you get. So let's talk about hybrid. Right. You know, you use that, that magic word. No one knows what that means because it has about five dimensions. So the question is, is a position remote work eligible or not? So I guess I should define that. Telework and remote work are different. Telework, the trend is that means a person can work from home. Remote work means a person is not within commutable distance. They've decided to work for the University of, say, you know, Georgia, but they don't live in Georgia. So, you know, that's remote work. That's kind of the, the, the trend that's happening now. So then it's the issue of what does that mean? Is it allowed or is it a term and condition of employment? Allowed means I'm allowing you and it could change. If it's a term and condition of employment, it's set in stone and can't change, right? Really big factor. Other thing is, is the person required to come to campus or not ever? That's the question. Do we need you to come in? But if you at the University of Georgia and you live in Virginia, that's a problem, right? So the policy around coming to campus needs to be kind of uh, determined. And then within what time frame? And then the other part is how much remote work or telework is agreed upon? And is it agreed upon as a allowance or discretion or is it set in stone? Because this really, really matters to the job seeker. The job seeker is saying, hey, I'm willing to live in South Carolina and commute to the University of Georgia if I only have to be there two days a week. But if it comes three days a week, I may not want to do it. Or if it's these set days, someone else may be saying, oh, I got childcare responsibilities, or I have family responsibilities, and we agreed upon these days, and now you want to change them. So all of those variables come into play of what do you mean by hybrid? Is it two days? Is it two days on average? That's fundamentally different. Is it set days? So these variables have to be worked out. 
And so for the job seeker, those are the questions they're going to have to ask, right? Because they're going to advertise remote work. Okay, remote work allowed <laughs> or remote work as a term and condition of employment? Big question. And then who decides? Hiring manager should, I mean, the hiring manager has to manage the work. I mean, she's responsible for all this stuff and she wants discretion about how she deploys her people, when and how, and she wants maximum flexibility. She don't want to say, oh, I can't talk to you on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, you know. So that whole thing hadn't been resolved. And then that's what we were saying earlier, that we know that it's going to change and it's going to be complicated to manage, but it ain't going to be the old way. But all of those variables we just talked about are yet to be resolved. I've seen very few policies that cover that. And then remote work again from away or remote work from home, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Those are two different questions. People expect people to be working from home, but they could be at the beach. They could be in another country. They can be whatever. Does that matter to you? And the answer is yes, it does matter to the institution because there are laws about the domicile of the people and you know how taxes work and things like that. So that has to play out in the decision making. Most often it costs more to have an employee who's not in the state where they are. And states like California, you know, California is, a, is not a state, it's another country. You know what I'm saying? You know, the laws are so different. The example of that is the HR Certification Institute has certifications. I have one, uh, SPHR, PHR, and then there's an add-on hyphen CA that you can get because the laws of California are so different. D.C. has some different laws. If you have people in the district, you got to pay for things like sick leave and things of that sort. So the point is, it's complicated. That's all I'm saying. So the applicant might be thinking, I'm just going to live here or there. The institution may have to factor the cost of managing people in different places as well. So Chris, let's say it's that 30 seconds in elevator. If we could just sum it up, is it fair to say if I'm in the elevator with you for 30 seconds and ask about hybrid work, is it fair to say your response is going to be, you need to discuss this in detail and be specific and don't assume anything. Yes, that's wholly accurate. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chris, for joining us today. My pleasure. Great having you. If you have a question for one of our experts, please feel free to email us at podcast at higheredjobs.com or feel free to tweet us at higheredjobs. We'd love to share your questions with our experts. 